welcome back to the Cat's Corner Podcast. This is episode 7 and today is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. We've got a lot to cover today. It is just myself today. Reed was unable to make it over. He has started back in his second semester of senior year at Texas State and he's working basically a full-time job at this point so uh, he's really kicking into gear in those places so he's going to be in and out this semester he'll be with us when he can and then as he's unable to make it I will kind of fill in just the gaps by myself here just to keep everything up to date so we've got Uh, the most up-to-date information on the podcast channel and just sharing my thoughts and really um, I really love having Reed with me it's fun bouncing ideas and 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 really just getting into the weeds of Texas State athletics with him but uh, I don't mind talking about it by myself with you guys and um, it just means these podcasts are probably going to be a little shorter because I've only got my opinions to get out. We don't have to get reads out um, as well. So he's still active on our Twitter page. He's active on his own Twitter page. Um, he's still going to be going to the games. Obviously, uh, he's in. He's at school here in San Marcos right now. So he'll still be going to the games. It's just going to be a little bit spotty on when we're able to get him in to record. So um, for today, just me. We're going to be recapping... Um, both men's and women's basketball games that happened last weekend. Um, we're going to preview this uh, Thursday game that's coming up tomorrow night for both men's and women's basketball. Uh, we've got some track to uh, review, uh, more records broken in track, so that's awesome. We're going to review that. And then jumping into some football stuff as well. And uh, I suppose that's where we'll start off today is with some Texas State football recruiting. All right, so starting it off here with some Texas State football news that came out in this past week. These coaches are all over the state of Texas. I mean everywhere. Dallas, Houston, uh, Austin area, down south, uh, up in the panhandle out west in um and then in deep east texas i saw one of the coaches and i can't recall which one recruited out in pittsburgh um this week and to be honest with you guys the only reason i know where pittsburgh texas is is because one of my favorite music artists is from there so um crazy to see these coaches just out all over the state especially when you contrast it with the last few years of uh, the Spavadol area era, they were recruiting like this. Um, or, or if they were, we weren't seeing all of this all over Twitter. And I think Twitter, especially these day, day and age, and just social media in general, is a huge asset to these coaching staffs. And just to see the stark contrast between the previous regime and this one, I, I for one, love it. I'm excited to see where this is going moving forward with Coach Kenny. And we've got, I'm seeing offers thrown out to, you know, uh, to 2024, 2025. And I've seen some 2026 kids posting offers from Texas State. And you know, at people look at the highlights from those kids and get excited about them, and that's that's great. That's all well and good. Um, it's exciting to see young prospects and what they're doing, but really, uh, what you're talking about, especially with those 2026 kids and even some of the 2025s, is just the relationship. With, with not only those kids, but with the coaching staffs at those schools, because those prospects are so far off. And, you know, I would venture to guess half of those people that get offers probably don't even go to school uh, to play football at the next level. And then I would say probably like, you know, 
25% more, um, don't even ever like have any other association with Texas state. Um, so we're probably looking at like 25%, let's say of those 2025 kids that continue contact with coach Kenny and his staff for the next couple of years. Um, you know, get, uh, get out here on more visits and stuff. Cause as they go to camps, you know, some of them are dual sport athletes too. So some of them are going to be more interested in playing those other sports at the next level. And then some of them to let's be honest, just don't end up developing into what, um, what we think they would be at this point. So they, they kind of, lose those offers but it's about the relationships like i said at this point in time for those kids with with the coaching staff but also with uh with you know from coach from our coaching staff to those high school coaching staffs it's developing a good rapport with them so when a kid or when a kid's parents come to a high school coach and say hey you know what's what's coach kenny and his staff like they've been in the building with those kids high school coaches and those high school coaches can speak to that and that's something that we have not seen here at texas state in years and even when you think about it you go back to the withers era he didn't have this sort of this level of um recruiting effort at the high school level and i know you can point some of that to recruiting budget and so on and so forth but at some point you look at it and it's gotta be, they also just didn't put in as much effort. They really didn't. And while we're talking about past regimes, I, I think we all saw this on Twitter this week. Jake Spavadol continues to make an ass out of himself after leaving Texas State. And, I mean, really, after the year he had, who's surprised from not wearing uh, Texas State-branded gear to just some of the comments he made about the facilities and stuff while he was still here? Are we really surprised that he's making these comments now? Uh, I think the big one that we all saw was, um, it was from the this SI article, and, you know, they're talking about a TCU transfer quarterback that came in. Horn Frog's number three quarterback. He was a transfer portal guy. Um, he was a highly touted recruit, so n- no doubt that he's good. But <laughs> the comment that Spav made about this, he was asked in this interview. Um, it doesn't give the direct quote from the interviewer. It just says in the story, and he's a player Spavadol couldn't have landed at Texas State, question mark. Quote, not even close, Spavadol said. And I believe we all saw that on Twitter, obviously. Made the rounds. Everyone was pretty, pretty fired up about that, especially considering that uh, that Kenny, Coach Kenny, has already brought in a higher-ranked quarterback than that. You know, um, Malik is is higher rated as a as a transfer than um, than this guy is out of TCU. And really, I mean, again, Spav has done nothing but make an ass out of himself since he left, um, and, and really while he was here. Uh, I I can't believe these comments that he's made, honestly. I, I understand wanting to talk up your new recruit and all that, but uh, really, what are we talking about here? I mean, Malik Hornsby, out of high school, was a 92-rated quarterback, and I don't know what this Jackson guy was, but as a transfer... Um, Hornsby's rated higher and I mean I'm tired of talking about Spav but you know between him and uh, and old Everett Withers we probably have two of the most chatty uh, 
uh, former coaches in the country because um, I saw Everett Withers getting chatty with Kef on on Twitter this week too. And I don't, uh, Kef came out and said, you know, he sent him a DM or I'm sorry, Everett sent Kef a DM and that it's all good and just misunderstanding. But still, clearly Texas State at some level is living rent-free in this guy's head. And, um, yeah, so just these past coaches still talking about Texas State. Look, I think Reed tweeted out on our on our Twitter page a uh, petition to, to play Cal. Uh next season and it and the options were yes or yes disrespectfully and look all disrespect intended i hope someday we get to play spab and we get to smack him around i'm tired of the like at first i was like oh i'm sure he'll do fine he was a good offensive coordinator i hope he lands on his feet it just didn't work here blah 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 done being nice about it i don't like the guy anymore uh I honestly didn't those when I kind of said, "Oh, you know, I hope he lands on his feet. I'm sure he'll do fine elsewhere." I was just trying not to look like the salty fan and and be and didn't want to be that guy. But whatever, I'll be that guy. I tweeted out shortly after that uh, that Spav was a loser. He all he did here was lose, and uh, that's kind of all there is to it. I believe he's a front runner. Um, I believe that he's used to recruits coming to him instead of having to go get the recruits, which worked at bigger schools. But let's be frank, at a school like Texas State, who doesn't have a long history um, of football success, you've got to get out there and find them. And he didn't do that. It seemed that he was unwilling to do that. Um, and that's something that Kenny has already shown the willingness and ability to do is go out and find these guys that may be a little bit underrated um, by bigger schools and convince them to come here. And I'll equate it to kind of like what what I said when text when UT hired Tom Herman. It's the exact inverse. And what I said when UT hired Tom Herman was. Uh, and he he kind of sputtered out out there. Obviously, was you're you're recruiting and coaching two different types of kids. At UT, he was recruiting and coaching these blue chip prospects, and motivating those type of kids is different than at a U of H, which I would put us closer to the level of U of H. I know they've had a lot of success in recent years. Uh, which I hope Texas State football can become a U of H type school where, you know, every two to three years you get a good class of strong recruits who've developed well and you're competing for, uh, for a bigger bowl game. That's what I think right now we need to be shooting for at Texas State is, is getting to that U of H level. So, you know, my theory with Tom Herman was he wasn't able to motivate and get those blue chip guys to uh, to respect and play for him because at U of H, he's a raw, raw guy. Nobody respects you. Uh, the big schools didn't recruit you. I got you. I respect you. I know what you can do. None of them do. Let's go out and prove them wrong. Right. So it's the exact inverse of that with Spav. He came from those blue chip schools um, where prospects were coming to him and he was able to motivate them in whatever way. But he had no ability and it seemed uh, didn't put in even the effort to get these guys who aren't blue chip prospects who do need the extra motivation, who do need to be convinced to put in the extra work, he was not able to get them here, number one. And number two, the few that he did get here, he wasn't able to motivate to a higher level. If you look at it, the guys who really did a number on his teams 
were Everett Withers holdovers. And that's some credit to Everett Withers there. Guys who didn't leave when he left and really, really kind of took the program over. And and I just, I'm over Spath. I think, I don't think he's a good coach. Head coach, anyway. He may be a good offensive coordinator. I think we'll see if that comes back. Um, but he's, I, I don't think he was a good head coach. I don't think he's a good recruiter. And I think he's a front runner. And I think that's what he'll always be. His, his success has always been at high-level institutions that, that, let's be honest, he, he probably wasn't the deciding factor in why those kids went to that school. And at a school like Texas State, the head coach has to be the one that's out in front. He's got to be the face that is the deciding factor on why kids are choosing Texas State over other institutions. And Spav's never had to be that. And I don't think he ever will. I, I, I really don't. So that's my Spav rant. <laughs> it may have been a little longer than I wanted it to be, but whatever when reed's not here i get to rant and rave about whatever i want and uh and if he wants to record a podcast when i'm not able to he can rant and rave about whatever he wants but i'm sure he'll tell me i went on about spaff too long anyway our current coaching staff coach kenny and his guys again back to the point of him being all over the state of texas this week him and his coaching staff um, they were in South Oak Cliff visiting, visiting our guy, Taylor Starling, who's a commit, but has not signed national signing day is coming up, um, rather quickly, uh, next week. I, I think it's the first. So if it's the first, let me see here. Let me see. Let me see. If it's the first. That means next Wednesday, a week from today that I'm recording, Taylor Starling should be signing with the Bobcats unless he flips. So let's all cross our fingers, say your prayers. Taylor Starling signs with the Bobcats next Wednesday, if I'm right about National Signing Day. Uh, I also saw his staff went out and visited... uh, Joe Lazon Landry, I hope I'm saying that right. We need to get a pronunciation on that. Some other big recruits this week. Uh, Shadid Ahmed, a six foot 170 wide receiver from Marshall. Big. Stealing guys from conference rivals that jump into the transfer portal, is, I think, is big. Um, he was a two-star recruit out of high school. Um, I think this guy has a lot of potential from watching his tape. I mean, I think his routes are pretty underrated. He runs really tight routes. Uh, So I'm excited to see that. Uh, Tavian Coleman, defensive lineman, transfer from Utah State. Oh, and just a quick mention... All of these guys are coming home, in a sense. They're they're Texas guys. So, uh, Shadid Ahmed is listed out of Richmond. Tavian Coleman is ri- listed out of Humble. Um, so, getting guys coming back to Texas, take back Texas. I know that's been the big thing with this uh, with this coaching staff, and I I love it bringing these guys back. So Tavian Coleman, Utah State transfer on the D-line. And then uh, the biggest one in the last week or so, uh, Drew, Don- Drew Donnelly, Cincinnati transfer, 6'2", 170 wide receiver um, from Frisco. By all accounts, this guy is an absolute speedster. Um says here on his 247 uh, profile, 
He had he got second place in May 2021 in the Texas 5A um, state meet for the 100 meter dash with a 10.31 in the 100 meter. So I mean, this dude is quick, and I've watched his routes as well. Again, similar. Um, similar to Shadid tight routes and I like to see that I mean I know that Malik Hornsby is kind of a dual threat guy he can run but he can also sling the ball and I'm glad we're bringing in guys to catch it it tells me that we're not just going to sit there and run an option offense with uh, Malik Hornsby I like that I want to give him extra options I want him to be an athlete and be able to use his legs. He That's clearly what makes him special. But we've got to give him options. Um, and bringing in guys like this is is awesome. I, I'm excited. Um, I, I can't wait till football season. Honestly, I am at the point where I'm counting down the days to, uh, to, to football season this year. Uh, we're about to wrap up the NFL season, um, but but college football for Texas State has been over for a while now, and I I can't wait. I, I'm man, I just want to see these guys on the field. I'm gonna. Go, I went out to the spring game last year. I took my son out to the spring game, and that was fun. I think I'm gonna do that again this year, um, unless you know something gets in the way, but I'm planning on, on getting out to the spring game again. And, um, I I just shoot. (laughs) I'm excited for Texas state football next year. I'm not saying that we're going to go out there and win a bunch of games, but, but just from what, from what we're doing as far as bringing guys in, I'm excited about. And I don't think I've been this excited about a Texas State football season since, I think since 2016. I was really excited when when Withers got hired. Really. Um, I think that's how long it's been since I've been this excited. Even, even when Spav was hired, I... I was um I was excited but I think I kind of I had been so let down by the Withers era that I kind of tempered my expectations a little bit for what we were going to see out of Spav and um man I'm ready. I'm ready for this season. So anyway, enough um, enough football talk for today's episode. Let's jump into. I want to go over. I want to go over some track deals here. So uh, we were in Lubbock. Our track team was in Lubbock last weekend at the Red Raider Open. And, and another good week from our track team. Uh, a ton of records the week before, and, and we really just uh, did it again this week. Uh, so we've got five school records broken at the Red Raider Open. We got, let's see, Cedrica win setting program record in the women's 60 meter and women's 60 meter hurdles uh 60 meter hurdle posted a week ago of 8.28 and then she at this one at the red raider open broke her own record by running 8.14 just incredible really uh, she's flying. Uh, that's insane. So, 
not only did she set a record, uh, we've got, let's see, three Bobcats on the men's team set school records. So Daniel Harold ran a 7.8 in the men's 60 meter. Dominic Yancey, we talked about him a week or so ago. Uh, he got a 46.48 in the men's 400 meter. And I apologize if I pronounce this wrong, but Bervinsky Pierre ran a 20.97 in the men's 100 meter, uh, which <laughs> matched Dominic Yancey's school record. So, um, and he he set that last week. So, another just great week from the Bobcats in track, which is awesome to see. We've had a good track team for a while, as we've talked about in the past. Um, so, so that's fun. Uh, let's see. Just scrolling through kind of the results here. Draquan Crawford men's 200 meter uh, with he came in ninth in that event with a 22.32 which is his personal record so impressive there Um, Cedrica Wynn came in third in the finals in her um, third in the finals and obviously earlier in the meet had set her school record at 7.33. Bravinsky Pierre, again, apologize if I'm saying that wrong. In the men's 60 meter, he finished seventh in that meet. And then let's see, we've got anything else really notable here. Any podiums? Daniel Harold, uh, he set that school record in the men's 60 meter meter hurdles. He finished fifth for the meet. Dominic Yancey, as mentioned, men's 400 meter. He came in second in the meet. And men's 4x4 relay second fastest in school history. I believe that they set the, this same team set the fastest last week. They came in seventh in the meet, but got second, uh, got the second fastest time in school history. So really just good overall from the entire team there. And, um, and man, when breaking her own record in back-to-back weeks is, uh, is fun. So, uh, they'll be in Houston this week at the Houston Invitational. So hopefully they can keep that up um, this Friday and Saturday in Houston and shoot, go out and smash some more Texas State records. It's fun to talk about. It, it's fun to see new athletes breaking old, um, old longstanding records. It just shows the progression in no matter what sport it's in. It just shows the progression of the university um, continuing to recruit better and better athletes and, and really just take our athletics program as a whole, um, up a notch. So love seeing that. Um, I know track's not a big money drawer for the school. Um, if I had, if I ventured to guess, it probably costs the school more money to run a track team than they make off the track team. But if you haven't watched a uh, track and field meet, they're a hell of a lot of fun. I had a really good friend in high school um, who ran track all throughout high school. And, you know, I would go out to the meets. I would, you know, sometimes volunteer at the meets just to hang out, have something to do. Why not? Uh, I'm going to be at school anyway. So if I volunteer at a meet, I get out of school. That's the way I looked at it in high school. So they're, they're a whole hell of a lot of fun. So if you catch one on, um, that we're in on ESPN plus, I'm sure some of the, um, 
the ones that are hosted by Sunbelt schools will be on ESPN Plus at some point this year. Uh, at least I'm going to cross my fingers for that. I'm positive, 99% positive, at least, that um, that the Sunbelt, like, how, what, what would you want to call it? The Sunbelt Championships are, are streamed somewhere. Um, so go watch that. That, that's the, um, that's the indoor season anyway. And then outdoor season will start coming up here in a few months in March. Um, and we've got two pretty, you know, pretty consecutively anyway, that, uh, that we host with the Charles Austin Classic and the Bobcat Invitational. So if you're just like randomly passing by the um, the track facilities over there uh, later on in March, and I'll bring this up again, uh, stop by uh, and and just watch. They're, they're, they're fun. They're fun to watch. So And we've got a good team. We always do. So, so that's cool. And uh, from here, we're going to jump into a little bit of women's basketball. All right, so some women's basketball news. They had an up and down weekend. Well, you know, week. Thursday, Saturday, last time, last weekend. They won in ULM, a game in which they rallied from down big at one point. Um to, to win that game, and again, just more impressive basketball from, from our Texas State women's basketball team uh, in, in Monroe. They, they played well. Everybody kind of contributed uh, 40% from the field. Only 25% from three would like to see that up a tick. But not too bad. 82 rounding from the free throw. Um, they got out rebounded 33 to 40, um, which, when you look at basketball box scores, uh, rebounds a lot of the times will tell you the story of the game. But um, only eight turnovers for the Bobcats, and they got seven steals. So that, that's kind of where they made up the difference is um, on cutting down on turnovers turnovers, and then turning down on turno- turnovers when we possess the ball and, uh, and turning ULM over. So 5-2 and two in Sunbelt from, uh, for Texas State women, and uh, ULM is, was 2-5 and five at the end of that game. Uh, let's see some top scores here. Let me grab the box score. Sorry about that. I should have had it up already. Box score from ULM. Top score was Kennedy Taylor, 13 points, 6 assists. Uh, 1 rebound, 1 steal. So, pretty well-rounded game from her. Um, You know, Team game overall. We had uh, two people in double digits with uh, Kennedy Taylor and Taylor Pruitt, 13 and 11 points respectively, but then a bunch of people, you know, between five and 10. So, um, so just a really well-rounded game from, from the Bobcats in that one and uh, good to come out of there, out of Louisiana with a, with a win there. Unfortunately, they lost to South Alabama. 45-43, a really close game on Saturday for for the Bobcats. And looking at the box score here, I mean, really, we, we didn't shoot well, 34% from the field. Um, even worse from three at 15.4%. Uh, we hit all our, our free throws, um, seven for seven. But we just couldn't find, find points. Tiana Eaton was our only person in double figures in that game. Kennedy Taylor had a slow game. 
Um, and the, and it was, it was just, uh, tough sledding for, for, for the Bobcats in this game, really. Uh, let's see here. Looking for turnover numbers, 18 turnovers from the Bobcats in that game. That's never good. Um, and, and uh, 30 rebounds, and that is to South Alabama's 19 turnovers and 38 rebounds. So it was a close game in the margins there on rebounds and turnovers. Ultimately, they came out with a two-point win. That drops us to 5-3 and three in the Sun Belt, and, um, and that is South Alabama's women's basketball team's first win in the Sun Belt this season. So a down year for them. Uh, overall, I think I think our women's team is still in good shape for the overall Sun Belt, you know, standings for the year. Uh, let me pull that up really quick for women's basketball. Just the current standings, women's basketball, JMU at seven and one, Southern Miss and Troy both at six and two. And then at five and three is Georgia, Georgia Southern, Texas State, and uh, Old Dominion, and then uh, Louisiana. That would be the Ragin' Cajuns, not ULM. So uh, four teams right there at five and three. I think we are better than that five and three number. We've kind of shown it so far this year. Um, that game in particular is just a tough one to lose by two points. Um, 45 points was the winning number. Um, I think we've played a lot of close games this year in the Sun Belt. It seems like um, we're either kind of winning relatively big, and I would say big is like seven point margin or or higher. Um, or we're losing close. Um, the only exception really to that would be that uh, Louisiana game. Again, the Raging Cajuns, they they stomped us 20 points. I don't think that's indicative of this team this year. I, I think we can compete with uh, Louisiana. I think we had a, a really tough game against them. And I think this South Alabama game... I don't, I don't know. We couldn't get into an offensive rhythm. Again, 18 turnovers. We, we didn't seem to have a, a lot of cohesion on offense, which has not been an issue for our women's team this year. Um, so hopefully a bounce back this week. Tomorrow night, uh, Old Dominion. We play Old Dominion and... Five, another five and three team in the Sun Belt, as I just mentioned. They are five and three in the Sun Belt, thirteen and eight overall. We are thirteen and six overall, so they've played a couple more games. Um, really, it should be a good matchup tomorrow night. Uh, we are away, which you know, home court advantage. I don't know how much just. To be completely transparent, I don't know how much that um, that is an effect in women's basketball other than just having to travel. Um, we seem to play pretty well on the road, um, truthfully. Our, our women's team this year has seemed, has seemed to kind of thrive away from San Marcos. I mean, they've done really well in San Marcos too, but it doesn't seem like they've had any kind of travel hangovers. So uh, tomorrow night, Old Dominion in Virginia. Hopefully we can come out with a win there. That's at 530. Uh, tune into that on ESPN+. Plus. Obviously, all the Sunbelt Conference games are on ESPN+. Plus. So um, tune into that. And then Saturday, we play Southern Miss. Here in San Marcos, our women's basketball team is at home on Saturday, January 28th, playing Southern Miss. That is a big game. Southern Miss sits at 6-2. They're currently tied for second in the conference with Troy. We need to protect home court there. 
against a highly rated uh, Sunbelt opponent. Uh, that's at 4 p.m. Get out and support the Bobcats if you're here in San Marcos. Again, if you're not, it's on ESPN+. Plus. But uh, hope I'm hoping and looking at these matchups, I'm thinking we can come out of this weekend um, with two wins for our women's basketball team. I, I really do. Uh, just looking here, let's see, at Southern Miss schedule. They're four and four away, so they're a 500 team away. They're much better at home. I think we can take advantage of that. They're a relatively low-scoring team. They play uh, they play good defense, but they're a low-scoring team. I think that matches up well for us. Uh, their last game was last Saturday against Marshall, in which they lost 52-53. to um, I think we match up well against them. I think if we get back to playing that cohesive um, style of basketball on the offensive end, that we can come out of this weekend with two wins. That would be huge for the program this season. Um, so yeah, get out there. Watch tomorrow night on ESPN Plus if you can, five thirty uh, against Old Dominion. And then if you're in the area on Saturday, go out to Strand and support the women's basketball team. Um, again, huge game for them against Southern Miss big one and then we'll talk about this next week but uh just as big next thursday not this coming but the next on february 2nd against troy uh those are two huge games back to back for for our women's basketball team so uh get out there and support them if you can all right, and moving on from women's basketball, we are going over to the men's side. I'd be lying to you if I did not say at this point in the season, I believe this is a down year for the Bobcats. I think we are in a down year for our men's team. I do don't think that that's too much of a stretch to say. And I also don't think that, um, that that's necessarily like unexpected or, or a bad thing. Um, how can you say that a down year isn't a bad thing, Thomas? Well, I think this gives a couple guys a real opportunity to play extra minutes and and develop and those two guys are what we have affectionately termed on this podcast the kids that'd be Jordan Mason and Davion Sykes they they're really showing in my opinion this season incredible potential and it is officially in my opinion a down year for the Bobcats we currently sit at three and five in conference 10 and 11 overall y'all I cannot remember I don't know that our basketball team has been under 500 since I started as a student in 2015 I don't think we have ever been under 500 this deep in the season. Maybe we lost our, you know, opener or, you know, maybe we went two and three to start the season, something like that. Uh, This deep in the season, nearly to February, I do not think our Bobcat basketball team has been under 500 since I started at Texas State in the fall of 2015. So this is a down year. Um... So buckle up for that. Keep supporting the team. This is a good team who if we get if we get healthy, if we can get the offensive cohesion um, at the right time, we could make a run in the Sun Belt tournament. I really do think that talent is there for that. Um, but as far as a regular season, we're not gonna see those less than 10 win or less than 10 loss seasons 
that uh, we've kind of become accustomed to the last several years from Texas State. So um, let me just real quick, I'm going to pull up basketball record. I'm going to pull up the um, sports reference for Texas State basketball because now I'm just curious. So 2015-2016, we finished the year. So that was my freshman year in college, 2015-2016. We finished the year at 15 and 16. So, okay, so we were under 500 my freshman year in college in 2015. Since then, we have not been under 500. We currently sit at 10 and 11. Our last 11 loss year was 2019-2020, which I believe was an incredibly special team that year, who I think was um, was underserved or, or done a disservice by COVID-19. I think they could have made a run through the Sun Belt Tournament, and I think they, uh, they could have possibly got into the um, NCAA Tournament. That was a team led by Nigel Pearson. It was an incredible season to watch. If you have ESPN Plus, I believe some of those games are archived on there. Go back and watch them. If you're if you're new to this uh, university and this program, uh, 2019 and 2020, 2019-2020 was a special year for Bobcat basketball, um, in my opinion. Followed that up with a 2020-2021 season that we were 18 and seven. Again, COVID shortened, I believe we only played conference games. And then last year, 21 and eight season. So this is a down year. This is officially a down year. We're 10 and 11. We're not gonna win out. It would be, it would be an unrealistic expectation for us to win the rest of our games going forward. So realistically, you know, If we don't get some guys healthy quickly, because that's the big thing is like, yeah, if they get healthy right around tournament time, we could make a run, but they need time to get back into the flow of the game, the flow of the offense, especially that's where we've been lacking this year. So we need to get healthy quickly if we have any expectation of making a a tournament run. I don't know where some of those injuries are at as far as like, you know, timeline for return. That's a, that's a tricky thing with basketball, especially at a school of this size is we don't get a whole lot of injury information. I'm trying to track down as much as of that as I can. It looked like to me that Harold was a lower body leg ish injury um, a few weeks ago he did not play against Louisiana on last Saturday hopefully he's back I'll try to get some more information on that this week Um, but again it's kind of hard to track down that type of information at a school this size it uh, for someone like me anyway um, I I'm just a fan. Reed and I, Reed's a student and a fan. Uh, I am, I, I work a full-time job outside of any sort of like social media, media sector. So I'm really just able to follow kind of what the school puts out. So maybe there's journalists who are able to kind of follow that more closely and, um, but for us, we're kind of looking at just what the school puts out kind of publicly. So tracking basketball injuries is, is much tougher for us. So anyway, Harold didn't play um, against Louisiana. That was a big, big drawback for the offense. And it has been all year with injuries. You know, talk about uh Dylan Dawson going out, who I was high on to start the season. I think he's a really good and talented player on the offensive side of the ball. And and so that's been tough. But 
If it's going to be a down year, I think this is the best year to have it because, again, Jordan Mason, Davion Sykes are showing incredible promise, in my opinion. They hustle to every single ball. You can see the talent for both of them. And I, I'm. if it's going to be a down year, I want to see him playing more. So Jordan Mason against Louisiana – Career high nineteen points. He's gonna blow that out of us the water someday, uh, but to have your career high um, of nineteen points as a freshman is awesome. He's gonna go. Uh, he's gonna go much bigger than that. Uh, five for eleven from the field, eight for eight um, at the free throw line, seven rebound, seven rebounds for him as well. Uh, that's Jordan Mason last weekend against. Um, against Louisiana, he, I think Davion Sykes was the more highly rated recruit coming out, um, especially with the fact that his dad is a, was a former Texas State player. But um, <laughs> but Jordan Mason has really really kind of stepped up taking it to the next level he played 32 minutes against um against louisiana davion sykes played 19 both of them started the game both of them were in the starting lineup i want more of that if we're going to have injuries if we're going to have a shortened rotation because of those injuries um i want both of them on the floor much more that development time is going to be crucial for them next season. We need both of them as leaders on the court next season because we are going to lose a, a pretty substantial amount of players next season, I think. So having those guys get minutes now so that they're not surprised next year when they're asked to play 35 minutes a game is going to be important. I didn't see, um, you know, Davion Sykes only playing 19 minutes. He really was able to to kind of catch his breath and have the time. But Jordan Mason playing 32 minutes is impressive for a freshman, and I want to see that continue for the rest of the year. I think it's going to be incredibly for, um, important for his development moving forward. So... A tough weekend last weekend for for the um, for the men's team, but but some bright spots with uh, with with hashtag the kids playing playing significant minutes in both of those games um, against Marshall. We lost eighty one to seventy three. Um, Jordan Mason, again, playing 35 minutes, 10 points, two steals, uh, four assists, and two rebounds. And then Davion Sykes playing 24 minutes. He came off the bench in that game, went five for seven with 10 points, five rebounds. So I think that these games coming down the stretch in this season are going to be incredibly important for those two. I want to see them playing more as they have been recently. Um, if we're if we're going to have a down year where we're not going to make a run in the Sun Belt tournament, we need to develop those two guys specifically. They're going to be incredibly important to this program moving forward. Um, I love both of them already. We have affectionately named them the kids on this podcast. Um, Robert Garcia on Twitter tweeted at me that both the kids were in the starting lineup Saturday. Robert Garcia, I see you. And yes, I know they were in the starting lineup because I was there. I was there last Saturday. I got to make it out to a game. Um, I'm going to make it out to a few more this year, um, possibly tomorrow night. I'm not positive, but maybe Tomorrow night, I'll make it out. Um, it's my late day at work, so I do work until 6, but I'll try. Um, we're playing Georgia Southern. Oh, hold up. Well, I'll talk about this in a second. We're playing Georgia Southern tomorrow night. Um, Georgia Southern sits at 2 and... S- nope. 
excuse me, five and three in Sunbelt play. That is tied for second place. There are three teams at six and two in conference and three teams at five and three. We are on the flip side of that at three and five. Needless to say, we need this win. There's no, um, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We need this win if we want to kind of reestablish ourselves as contenders in the Sun Belt for this season. I think we are. We've been ravaged by injuries. I mean, uh, Toon wasn't even on the bench for last game. I'm not sure if I saw Dylan Dawson. It's tough to tell when you're there who's actually on the bench if you're not, you know, real close. Um, but Dylan Dawson didn't play. Uh, obviously, Mason Harrell didn't play. Uh, Nigel Caesar's just coming back. So I don't know if he's on an official limp, uh, minutes restriction, but he didn't play a ton in that game against Louisiana. So we'll see who gets to play tomorrow night um, against Georgia Southern, but it's a big game if we want to... I think I think this game will kind of tell us how the rest of the season is going to go, right? Because we've got, you know, we're like, we're about, let's see, one, two, five... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we're like right. This game is really kind of the halfway point in in conference play. And again, it's unrealistic to think that we're gonna go undefeated the rest of the way. So this game, I think, will kind of tell us where we're gonna sit for the rest of the season and what we can expect from this team moving forward. So. If you're in San Marcos, which a lot of you are in San Marcos and in the surrounding area, get out tomorrow night uh, to support the Bobcats against Georgia Southern. It's going to be a big game for this program. Um, and kind of what we're looking at doing for the rest of the season. Um, students, if you're a student, you get in for free. So get out of your afternoon class and make your way over to Strand Arena. Uh, Jeff Foster Court at Strand Arena at the University Event Center. Is that what we're going to call it now? Uh, get over there and again, you get in for free with your student ID. They swipe it at the door and you're good to go. Uh, beer's cheap. Hot dogs are good. Go watch the game. I'm going to try to make it out. And Reed made this offer last week, and uh, he told me that nobody claimed it. I don't know if Reed will be there tomorrow night, but I'll make the offer instead. Uh, I'm going to go tomorrow night. If you come find me, you show me that you follow on Twitter and that you, fo that you follow the podcast on Twitter and that you follow um, or you're subscribed to the podcast on either Apple or Spotify, I'll buy you a beer. Come find me. I don't know where I'll be. Maybe once I get to the game, I'll tweet it out uh, where I'm kind of sitting at. So um, come hang out, go to that game. And um, last thing that I kind of want to talk about here is something I saw on Twitter a few weeks ago. I think it was affectionately or disaffectionately named a Bob Horn. And that is folks that go or went to Texas State that are Longhorn fans. And I would just like to put this call to action out there that if you see these people on campus or otherwise, on Twitter, Instagram, wherever they may be, that you call them out for it. Um, we need to... 
we need to build a community of passionate Texas State athletics fans who, regardless of their prior interests, are are Bobcats through and through. And they're interested in watching Bobcat sports. They're interested in supporting our teams. And um, I think that that's going to be important for this university moving forward. I don't think that um, we as fans have done a good enough job of, of making that a priority. Because let's be honest, we all know somebody who went to Texas State graduated from Texas State, and and is a fan of another university, UT, A&M, some tech people out there, which I don't know what the hell those people are doing, but uh, (laughs) we need to do a better job of calling those people out and making them Bobcat fans, because let's be honest, if you wanted to go to UT that bad. If you liked him that much, you would be there and you wouldn't be a Texas State fan. So if it's your brother, your sister, your mom, your roommate, your boss, if they are a Texas State current student or an alum and they don't actively root for Texas State athletics and go to the games and just overall support Texas State athletics, call them out for it. We need to be uh, we need to be making it known that Texas State is a uh, really a brand to support, and I don't think that we're doing quite a good enough job of that. I'm going to start doing so. In fact, um, I work with several people who are sports fans that graduated from Texas State that don't necessarily actively support Texas State athletics. And I am going to start calling them out every day for it. Um, so that's kind of my challenge to all you listeners moving forward. And, and really also try to reach out and change people in your community, in the community's minds too, especially if you're in San Marcos, because We've got a lot of people here in San Marcos that support UT, but I guarantee you have never stepped foot in uh, DKR Stadium. Well, guess what? They can get out and watch the Bobcats take their friends and family to a game for probably a third of the price that they can uh, they could get into DKR. So just start probing them with that stuff. Um I think we, as Bobcat fans, we get a little too dug in sometimes, and uh, we don't think about the outreach that we could be doing to other um, Bobcat fans out there, or potential Bobcat fans out there. So let's get on that. I'm going to try to do a better job of it myself. I hope you guys do too. Um, Last thing I want to mention, if you made it this far in the podcast... And if you made it this far, y'all are awesome. I'm an hour and five minutes in just ranting on Texas State stuff without a co-host today, which I can rant pretty well, but I didn't think I would make it a whole hour in. So um, last thing that I want to touch on here is I was looking at some of our analytics, which are kind of funny to look at. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys, we don't have a ton of listeners, but y'all who listen really make a difference and y'all are fun to interact with on Twitter. Um, We have one listener, it seems, who has listened to every single episode from Seattle, Washington. If you are that listener, please contact me on Twitter. I'm curious who you are and what your connection is to Texas State. Um... I have thought that it's possible that that person is using a VPN and they actually live much closer to San Marcos than Seattle. But I'm hoping that it is truly someone from the Seattle area that's listening to this podcast. That would be incredibly cool. And again, I am curious of your connection to Texas State. So if that's you, reach out to me on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Um, Other than that, 
give us a review if you could. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. I believe it's 60% of our listeners are not subscribed on either Apple or Spotify. So subscribe to the podcast. It'll update your podcast feed as soon as we put a podcast live. So you don't have to rely on uh, Twitter for finding out that we've put one, a new one live. It will auto update on your Spotify or Apple feed. So Give us a subscription there. It's free, obviously, uh, no cost to you to hit that subscribe button. And honestly, it updates your feed automatically. So it's a little bit easier for you. You don't have to go seek us out. We're right there. And if you could leave us a rate, that would be awesome. Rate and review. We want to hear your feedback. And we have the option to send us in voicemails. That link is in the description of our podcast send us a voicemail about anything and uh, maybe we'll play it and react to it on the podcast. I really appreciate y'all listening. I'll be back at you next week. Hopefully Reed will be with me next week. I'm really hoping to schedule some time with him. Um, But if not, I will definitely be back to recap this week's um, this week's Texas State Athletic News. So um, again, get out there, support the men's team tomorrow at Strand if you can. And um, and then the women's team on Saturday will be home. Two massive games for both the men's and women's teams coming up this week. Get out there and support them. Um, as always, it was a whole lot of fun talking to you this week. And uh, we'll be back at you soon.